This is Movie Hopping for Friday, June 22nd, 2018. Across the table from me, Mr. Incredible himself. That is right. Fucking incredible over here. Adam Hall, how you doing, bud? I'm really good. How you doing, Nico? Uh, I'm doing great. The summer is evaporating very quickly yeah it's what it's, it's almost july already yeah it's uh it's making me uncomfortable i'm not a big fan of it man like i've always loved may and june and once mm. july comes i feel like we're on the back half of this whole thing i suppose but i have fall to look forward to and fall is my favorite season well you're weird that way no, but that's fall is pretty pretty great yeah it's pretty great i'm just saying yeah uh I, we've been trying to milk every ounce of this summer season that, that we can i've been going to the beach a lot Mm-hmm. I've been I've been getting in shape. I've been going outside, and I've been seeing a lot of summer movies. That's right. I've been seeing a few summer movies, not a ton. I've been kind of busy myself, just doing stuff, things, and stuff. But it's been going by fast. So right. I guess that's technically a good thing, right? No, it's not, man. I mean, Let's savor this. I guess it's hard. It's hard to savor it sometimes. Here's the thing. I'm really into this summer. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> contain ah, yourself contain Jesus. yourself okay relax dude take it easy <laughs> mm, i've been sucking too much dick deep, deep breaths. <laughs> i think it's been a good summer i actually think like the oh. summer season has been fairly surprising this has been one of my better summers in a very long like a really long time i mean especially with the contrast of last year which was arguably the worst summer i've ever had right i absolutely fucking hated 2017 yeah with a passion yeah but it's, it's funny. I have, I have stuff to talk to you about that with with uh, when we when we're not on the air. <laughs> it's, but it, but understood but the contrast between the two and the reasons why they're contrasting. Yes, <laughs> the the worst and then the best. It's how, very how, very interesting to me. How about in terms of the movies? The movies themselves. Yes. Um, not not bad. I actually have been pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Like I'm looking at the list, and it's it was actually a fairly good spring. Yeah, the springs have for some reason been getting incrementally better year to year, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's sort of leaking into the summer because studios and movie theaters alike are sort of realizing that independent, <clears throat> small budget cinema does pretty well for itself. Yeah, and I feel like I've been seeing a lot of independent influence in the summer this year. There've been a number of Small sleeper hits. Yep. Hereditary evidently is like the horror movie hit of the year. Good. Uh, the, you, you know, in even the big blockbusters like in- Incredibles, which we're going to talk about today, and mm-hmm. some of the Marvel movies, <clears throat> and uh, Ready Player One was another movie that that came out of nowhere that was pretty good mm-hmm. this year. Well, there's just a lot of movies that I'm excited for. I can't remember. Like I remember last year. Even still, there was. I just remember that year being just barren. For the, I was only exci- I was only like <clears throat> really excited for Blade Runner, and that was pretty much it. Right. I really can't remember anything else that was really getting me going. Yeah. Which is strange. Whereas this year, even even if they're smaller movies, that they're not necessarily as like monumental as that movie was to me, it's still like no, I'm excited to go out and see movies. Right. So yeah. it it is. Th- I I do worry though <laughs> that it's getting very. Uh, uh, it's it, it's getting very sort of binary here in terms of there's only the three hundred million dollar movie or there's only the ten million dollar movie. Well, that is kind of what it is, and it's been going that way for a while now, and it's I see it getting worse and worse and worse. Mm-hmm. It's like when I go to the movie theater now, my only choice is 
are Avengers or First Reformed. There's like <laughs> nothing in the middle. That is so weird. I mean, think about it. There's literally, it's either this weird niche Ethan Hawke $2 million movie or the biggest blockbuster in the world. Um, and so, as you know, we either judge these things as they were giant smash hits that were only cost $2 million or they were flops that cost $200 million. Yep. And it was like, okay, is Solo really considered a flop? Like, are we really going to bemoan the death of blockbuster cinema after Solo? It just It's weird to me how the financials are shaking out here. And it's kind of weird how the industry is changing. Sure. Uh, but aside from that, I'm like pretty pleasantly surprised with the, with the quality of the film. Even what's coming up, though, like, I, I get, like usually I, there's a few movies in this. There's always a few movies in the summer that I'm fairly excited for. But... I mean, later on too. I'm I, like, because I even remember last year there were just so many. I was just not looking forward to, and now we get like a we, we get a, a few actually fairly decent ones. Like I'm, I, I gotta say, I'm excited. Like we've talked about this before, but I've got like uh, the Predator, Halloween, Bohemian Rhapsody, even First Man. Honestly, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. First Man could go. Yeah, that could be a great one. Like that yeah. could be like the next Apollo thirteen, but better. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Let's let's get into it, man. Let's get into the second most anticipated sequel of my life. <laughs> that's that's what I'm going to call this. The second most anticipated. What's the first? Well, I realized that I was more excited for Dark Knight Rises than anything. Really? Yeah, I realized that in hindsight. And although I was disappointed, I was still pumped for that one. Not does Force Awakens count? I was more excited for Force Awakens. No, really? No, no, no. Was not because uh, you know my last memory of Star Wars was the prequels. Oh, wow. And I was very skeptical of the new Star Wars movies. I, I think now it's been sort of revisionist history. I uh, I look back on those and think, yeah, the, the, those were the greatest. Uh, no, I wasn't that pumped. I was so f- I was could not have been more excited for the Force Awakens. And I'm and yeah, sorry listeners, but I'm one of those assholes who still likes those movies. Yeah, I know. Sorry, shoot me. I know we're not boycotting the Fuck the it. Disney Corporation and asking that they remake. Did you see that like campaign that was going on on Twitter yesterday? I feel like there's like 50,000 <laughs> petitions to boycott what Disney's up to as if it's going to work. So a bunch of idiots on Twitter were like, yo, let's raise money so Disney can remake The Force Awakens with a different director. <laughs> this is a real thing. Oh. There are people trying to raise $200 million to redo it because they think Ryan Johnson did such a bad job. And so Ryan Johnson, the the genius that he is, goes on Twitter and is like, please, 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 I want your money to redo this. <laughs> it's like, that would be great. Just give me more money. I, I can't, I, people are, are do, they really, do they really believe that he gives a shit? No. Or that anybody gives a shit about what they're doing? I know. It, 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 and the thing about that boycott and, or just the sort of outrage that was sparked after that movie in hindsight, just looks so ridiculous. People need to calm down. You know, it's like you see Solo, which is fine, but it's like you cannot possibly see Solo and think that's a better version of Star Wars than we got with Force Awakens. But people think, or Rogue... with, or with, um, sorry, Last Jedi. People think Rogue One's better. A lot of people think Rogue One's. <sighs> What's better. wrong with you people? I don't know. It's like it's, the outrage here is so unfounded. Like the the thing is, you ask them why it is they hated Last Jedi so much. It's the same answer. Yeah. Every single time. For me, at least, the same exact answer every single time is they fucked over Luke or they fucked with his character too much. And I'm just like, ugh. It's just so unfounded. It's like, are you married to those ideas? No, but what? But married to what ideas? That Luke has to be like like a Boy Scout. 
Come on, guys. He's no longer a Boy Scout is the whole point. That's fine. He's, be- he's becoming the Luke we-, we remember, though. That's that's the point of that movie. Like, uh, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you kill Snoke off? <sighs> fucking Christ. The worst fucking character in the history of that movie. I was going to say. It's like, are you seriously complaining? Are you the same people who really, really like Darth Maul? I know. Yeah, probably. Probably Good for you. Why are you? Compl- we have less of a shitty character. Yes. What's wrong with that? <laughs> yes, exactly. What's wrong with getting rid of a character that doesn't work? That's the point. Now, again, how they handle. I'm not. I the, the handling of that. I'm not particularly. F- I'm, I'm not as much of a fan of as I used to be. I'll say right, that. Right. But that doesn't mean I have an issue with them getting rid of Snoke. <laughs> we need to move on to a sequel that's worthy of talking about. That. Oh my god! Yes. Incredibles two. Yeah. Oh boy, Adam. Uh, I saw it about a week ago, the day it opened, as a matter of fact, so it's a little more fresh in your mind, so why don't uh, you take this one? Oh, uh, <clears throat> I saw this uh, with a with a friend of mine. Okay. <laughs> and, um, yeah, no, I, I went into it, like, really, 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 really excited, because, again, just like you, this is one of the most anticipated sequels of my entire life, as Incredibles is... Are one of, if not my favorite Pixar movie. I go back and forth between that and Toy Story, and um, and <laughs> it's hard to talk about this with just telling me, telling you exactly what you told me. It's similar. It's just like as soon as it starts off, exactly where the the previous one ended. I'm just like, oh my god, <laughs> it already feels like they're doing it right. Gauntlet thrown down. It's like you've been waiting for the Underminer. Well, you get the Underminer. I I love it when a movie is just. It just says, we're not giving you any bullshit. We're, we're cutting straight to what we know you want. Right. And we're just getting to it. And yep. here we go, guys. Right. But but then the movie progresses, and it's uh, an even, It's not as good as the first. No, it's not. At the same time, I will maybe say that the, the focus, the, the deep focus on the family drama might be better. Oh, certainly. Yeah? Yeah, certainly. The actual... Um, it's fun. The first movie is, is a story about a marriage in hindsight. Like that, that movie entirely rests on whether or not Mr. Incredible is being loyal to his wife. Yes. And it's actually a very, it's a deeply mature movie for that reason. And doesn't really make for like a, I mean, I loved it when I was a kid, but I could see a lot of those themes going over some kids heads. That's, and that's maybe a fault for the second one is that I thought this one was, like oddly, it almost didn't even feel like an animated movie at times. Right? No, you it, know what I mean. No, I 100 percent agree with you, which is actually why I loved it. No, I lo- exactly. No, I'm right there with you. <laughs> right? There's this yeah. weird thing with animation, and and I, for some reason, Pixar has been the only studio that's has been able to figure this out. Animation doesn't just give you the ability to create talking animals; it also gives you the ability to compose the perfect shot at any given time. Mm. You know, in that way, it's really any filmmaker's dream. It's like if you want to get the lighting right, the landscapes right, the foreground and the background right, animation is the only way that you can do it perfectly. Yep. And you can tweak it. And and uh, this movie had a lot of that. Uh, you can take things in and out of focus whenever you want. You can um, you, you can put Mrs. Incredible in a particular spot in the frame mm-hmm. that makes for a thrilling action sequence. And what Pixar has realized is that to do to make a great animated film, you don't just make Zootopia, which yeah. is like a movie that looks like any other animated film, but it has talking animals in it with cool sight gags. Mm-hmm. You make 
a straight up action movie and you use all of the capabilities of animation that you can. And that's the thing about this movie. It has an awareness for live action storytelling and it really just sets out to make a compelling superhero film. I was going to say it's, it's surprisingly uh, like it, like I said, it doesn't, it's the way it's shot feels not, not that that's the funny thing it's you, not th- you just used that word the way that it's shot i said the same thing to my brother in the theater yeah. and i caught myself and i said wait a minute they're not shooting this movie they're animating it but i think about it as though it was being shot well i mean in a way it, it if you're getting like like technical with it i mean you're they're not they're not physically there shooting it but if you were to describe each moment in the film like that is technically a shot if i were right. to storyboard it for you and whatnot right they are they are they they act as shots like you you couldn't you couldn't uh, sit down and describe this movie to people and be like this this uh <laughs> this image here and this image here followed right. by the next one it just wouldn't make any sense right so you got to be like this shot and this shot and that shot and but for some reason though it feels like that way more in a pixar film than it does any other animated because it's film. it's far more conscious and 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 uh it, what's what am i trying to say it's the the effort to make that far, feel more authentic and legitimate is is it's it it's weird how how I mean, present it is in, in something like that, it, especially next to something like uh, Zootopia. Right. The only movie uh, animated films now that do it <coughs> uh, just as good, if not better, honestly, is uh, the How to Train Your Dragon movies. Yes. But that's they partially do it very well too. Yeah, that's partially. But not all the DreamWorks movies do though. Yes, now that I agree with. Like, yep. I love Shrek as much as the next guy, but like Shrek is just a television cartoon yeah. on the big screen. It's not. It's not quite the the, the prowess that is the, like the, the Incredibles two. I mean, honestly, I thought the Incredibles two is one of the best shot films I've seen in a while. Exactly. No, but again, <laughs> but isn't that so bizarre yeah. though that you say that? But you watch those act like you watch Elastigirl following the the getaway train and you think to yourself man like if dr strange could do something half as compelling as this or if ant-man could do something half as compelling as this oh and that's the weird part you think about something like like the actual like live action blockbusters and they don't look anywhere near as good right they're not even on the same playing field it's it's shocking right well it's not but it's not shocking though because again pixar has it, that's that's the nature of animation is yeah. you can compose any shot that you want. I guess it's just I, I'm saying that because they're never I mean they're never this good sometimes you know like that's the thing it's like even though you have all the time in the world well sort of have all the time in the world there it, 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 it I I will I will look at that and be like it in in theory there should be nothing wrong with these movies right Re- right <laughs> visually yeah yes yeah so but I, but is there anything like obscenely wrong with these movies no. No. Not, not really, no. No. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Unless you're the Cars movies, but otherwise. Right. But but that's, I, I don't know, man. It's like, they're the only ones that have been, a, that have been able to figure this one out. And, and I think that's because they hire pure cinematic minds to make these things. Yep. You know, like, Brad Bird is a very competent action director oh, yeah. outside of animation. He's got the best uh, Mission Impossible under his belt. No question about it. So. I, I agree with that 100%. Uh, and, and so, I mean, I know he's worked mostly in animation. in animation, but these guys have a sensibility for how a camera is supposed to work, mm-hmm. how you're supposed... Like, they are cinematographers, basically. These yeah. animators are cinematographers. They're not just animators yep. that are making sight gags with, with Looney Tunes-like characters. Yep. Uh, and that's what struck me with this thing. It's like I could watch these movies 
every year. Like I would I would throw away every Marvel movie in the MCU to get a new Incredibles movie every year. Oh, I would pre- make that trade off in a heartbeat. Oh, pretty much without hesitation with me. Yeah. yeah. They I and sometimes it's it well here's the here's the other thing, Nico, is like a lot of times part of the reason these movies look so good <laughs> and they feel as though they're shot <coughs> By like real cinematographers is sometimes they do actually hire cinematographers as advisors to be like, okay, this is how you should probably frame this shot and to, to react to this character and so forth and to tell this idea you need to do this. Nice. Like for uh, How to Train Your Dragon 2, guess who they got to effectively shoot that movie? Deacons? Mm-hmm. No kidding. Yep. Oh, that makes perfect sense. I love those movies. Oh, so do I. Those movies are like criminally underrated. They're fan. No, I love them. Because They're kids fantastic. don't really like those. I don't know why they're excellent movies. I think I really I I was so surprised by the first one. Yeah. That's a movie that I I used to flip on all the time because I was just like I, I love those movies you run across and you're just utterly like blown away by how good they are. Because I remember seeing the trailer for that and just thinking it was like another silly kids movie and then being pleasantly surprised by how mature it actually was. Yeah. No. Yeah. It, oh, it's it's insanely mature. Ugh, love it. Which is a I guess I don't know. That's probably why kids don't love it. Yes, but you know, Incredibles two does set this box office record this weekend. Like, smashes the box office. Well, record. we knew that was going to happen. Um, so kids are responding to it now. Yeah. What do you think it is? Do you think uh, it's our generation revisiting the story, well, or it is can't it be just our generation? No, I mean, there's that, no way. It has to be much more than that. But I mean, just the premise alone—an animated superhero film by Pixar. It's rated PG. You right. Know? It's it's gonna make a lot of fucking money. Why did it take so long? The the because expl- because Brad Bird's explanation is I will not do another one unless it's at least the standard of the first. They didn't need Brad Bird though. No, I mean it's nice that they got him, but they didn't need him. No, why? I, I it's weird. It's like it's so like Pixar movies make a shit ton of money. Superhero movies make a shit ton of money. Why not just keep making Pixar superhero movies? It just I mean, I'm happy that they didn't water it down, I but say, I, it's just confusing. Like, I think the first one did relatively well at the box office. I, I thought don't it think did it's, re- very well as well. It might have been a little ahead of its time. Yeah. You know, it was right after, I think, Spider-Man 2. Like, it was yeah. right in the... You're right. You know, X-Men was sort of doing stuff and... I mean, it was before superhero movies became what they were now. It was certainly before Batman Begins, I think, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. So it is a little weird that they waited so long. Uh, but now it just seems so obvious. Like, every kid in America would want to see these things. Well, of course. Well, that, that we've been saying it for years. And, and I think it became more obvious now since uh, superhero films really started to take over. And it was basically all you ever got in at least the summer realm of things. Mm. So it's nice. It's it's nice that, nice that they finally realized it. I'm just wondering... I mean, 14 years. That's the real thing. It's like, yeah, I get that you want to take your time, but 14 fucking years, like what happened? It's a long time. Yeah. So they start this movie again, as we said, right off where, uh, right from where the last one left off, which was a decision that prompted my brother to begin punching me in the arm. (laughs) Because he was so excited. He was so pumped for this. He says to me, I've been waiting 14 years for this moment. Uh, And we got to see the Undertaker fight. Which is pretty great. My brother ended up buying, I think I told you this, the Incredibles Undertaker video game (laughs) on PlayStation 2 after the last movie came out because he wanted to see how it ended. So that's how much he was craving the ending for that movie. Wow. Because they left it. That's the thing, too. It leaves it right open for the sequel. Mm Mm-hmm. And then actually, it kind of disappointed me. I expected an Undertaker-esque ending to this one yeah. that we didn't really get. 
We just got some random bank robbers. I was expecting the exact same thing. I was like, "Where he's got to come back, right? Or not even The Undertaker, just some other badass villain. Well, true, true, yeah. You know? Like, it I, was, anything that would have left it open for, for Incredibles 3. I agree. Yeah. It was... It was it was a few missed opportunities. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. What other missed opportunities were there? Uh, eh, villains not quite as good as uh, Syndrome. No, not even close. The villain stuff's a little weird. Yeah, the villain stuff. If I'm gonna criticize anything, it'll probably be the villain stuff because I don't get it. We need to unpack that. Yeah, and we need to unpack exactly what the political message of this movie was. <laughs> Because I feel like they were dancing around a number of complex political themes with like Rob Robert being at home and the wife. No, not or... even that. I'm. Uh, should we just get into it? Yeah. I mean, sure. all right. Let's just. All right. Let, we're gonna get specific. We're gonna get spoilery now. Okay. Uh, if you haven't seen Incredibles two, go see Incredibles. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Um. Okay. So this movie begins with superheroes being outcasts. Uh-huh. As is sort of run-of-the-mill for superhero movies these days. Uh-huh. The skepticism of the supers, right? It's the, It's been the case in Civil War. It was the case in Batman and Superman. It was the case in all of these things. Uh, we need to get superheroes off the streets. So they do. And the audience is left with, okay, let's get them back because the world needs saving. Yes. So what do they do to get the world more saving (laughs) they bring superheroes back with this shady rogue organization and they strap body cams to them here's the problem yeah you couldn't now like i said everything is done so so with with such a flair and a charm that i can let certain plot points slide i mean Although I can I can only be so okay with I mean I'm just gonna say it. it's fucking obvious what's gonna happen. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. <laughs> it's, it's so fun. obvious. I, I agree. I agree with you. I, but uh, right, just hang with me for a second. Okay. Okay. So they strap body cams to them. Yeah. Now this to me is an obvious reference to the use of body cams with police officers, right? Mm-hmm. But police officers are I think like at least nowadays a group of people that the public is skeptical of. Sure. Right? Like the use of body cams is to protect those that come into contact with police, not to really protect the police themselves. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the idea? So yeah. how and I'm I'm not necessarily like you know like throwing shade at this movie. Like the movie is allowed to make whatever argument it wants to make. Like I'm totally fine with whatever case they want to make and whatever statement they want to make about police and the oppressed uh but it just seems to me a little confusing and a little mm. muddy this idea that the superheroes are both the class that is oppressed and also the authority that is being judged skeptically you thought it, the movie was trying to have its cake and eat it too yes okay does yeah. that make sense to you yeah yeah, it would have been a little better if it had picked one side and stuck with that. Because I was trying, I was also kind of trying to figure out where this film was leaning politically, and it wasn't, especially with things like that, with how it was treating superheroes, especially towards the end. And I'm just like, I don't know quite what you're going for there thematically. It's it's a little muddy. It's not necessarily. I mean, there are ideas, <laughs> kind of like what you said. It's just yeah, but there are loose ideas. Yeah, though. they're sort of just hanging there. Yeah, like I mean, the movie asks questions, I guess, 
Like it asks questions about the role of uh, um, of police and of authority figures in our society, and also how they're presented to the public. Like this is a movie about PR. Mm-hmm. Um, it, at times, it's a little heavy handed with its PRness, uh, but. I'm not exactly sure what they were trying to say because I think the movie ultimately ends at a place where, yeah, superheroes should be out there protecting the world. Like I don't, I I I don't know. This is not an anti-police movie, but no. it's also not a pro-police movie either, <laughs> which begs the question: like, why are we including this body cam detail? Sure, I I it didn't feel like that was the core of the movie. I mean, to me, where this movie. I mean, sort of lives and dies is the the family relationship. I mean, it's kind of obvious. No, me. of course. Yeah, and the, I, you know, just the idea is that you know, there's more to being a hero than just doing like ama- like in these movies. There's more to being a hero than doing amazing things out in the streets. Blah blah blah. You know. Yeah. Especially with the uh, Mister Incredible, you know, right? Being a hero at home, you know, and all those other like kid friendly themes. But you know, that's ultimately what the movie's about, right? Yeah, but that's what the last one was about too, right? Sure. Like th- that. That's nothing new. I, I I just feel like the whole motivation here of the villain and the entire ruse uh, it just didn't it just didn't quite land for me it it just sort of felt like they were writing it as they went along it was very convoluted it was very convoluted and very thin yeah uh let's let's talk about this villain so we have bob odenkirk yes playing what was his name uh, I don't remember. His Winston name. Dever. Uh, <laughs> he is brilliantly cast, by the way. Yeah. I thought that was a great choice. It's funny enough. So Bob Odenkirk, Saul, uh, plays a character in this movie, and uh, Jonathan Banks, who plays Mike Ermintrout in Breaking Bad. Yeah, I, 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 I was like, is that Mike? Yes. Sounds like Mike. That is Mike. From uh, He plays the character from the last movie, the sort of, I forget his name, uh, Rick. Rick Dichter. Rick, <laughs> or Rick Dicker. Dicker. Yeah, Dicker. Uh I guess the last guy died, so they had to recast him. Oh, really? Because he was in the last movie, if okay. you remember. Yeah, that the older guy that put them in the hotel, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So his so Bob Odenkirk is in this, and he is this political figure. What? what he's just a rich guy, right? He feel like a, th- a philanthropist or something, right? That's all he felt like to me, right? He is on a mission to correct the public's perception on superheroes. So he recruits Mrs. Incredible to wear a body cam and to fight crime, and that way they can share this footage with the world, and maybe the opinion will change. And he has a sister, Catherine Keener, uh, plays Evelyn Dever, mm-hmm. and to me, it was instantly fucking obvious that she was going to be the bad guy in this thing. It's, I mean, maybe not when I was younger, wouldn't have spotted that, but right. that is such an, I mean, I've become so used to seeing that 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 turn right. and that cliche. Right. It's not that I, I I didn't have fun with it, but at the same time, it's like, you know, he could have could have tried to fool me a little better than that, guys. Come on. Yeah, there's no reason why you introduced that character. And the second she made that line about, oh, yeah, if dad only had called the police or whatever, or went to the safe room, I was just like, uh. <laughs> he'd still be alive. And it's like, okay, I see what's going on here. Um, no, I, uh, it's funny you say that, because at that point, I'm just like, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, movie. Come on, movie. <laughs> But as you said, though, like it, it is predictable, but there's enough stuff to distract. Yeah, exactly. It's like everything in between is fine. I mean, it's especially that uh, the train chase sequence. Yes. Ooh, good stuff. Fantastic. Fan fucking tastic. There's now. Here's the thing I will say about this movie. One one thing it, it was missing that I would have absolutely fucking loved is that there is a. It, it's lacking in a sense of like wonderment to what is actually going on, and that generally comes with sequels. 
because you know initially when you're introducing everything and what these characters can do it's far more fascinating and amazing just to witness like there's no sequence where dash is like running on the water and he's just laughing at the fact that he can run on water right there's nothing there's no moment like that i would have loved to have seen more stuff like that in the film otherwise though they pretty much get everything correct in that way with with the fun of the film the thing about these superheroes, and I say this specifically about like Frozone. Yeah. Frozone is like the best superhero of the last 20 years. <laughs> Frozone's pretty cool. Like he's so fucking cool. <laughs> I mean, if you dream if you dreamt that up in like the D- Justice League movie, like you had a character that could create ice out of thin air and mm. skate around the city. That's what's cool about it's it. It's amazing. Like that is the cool like if Stan Lee came up with that, it- he would be the biggest Avenger there is. Yep. You know, but he's like just relegated to these animated movies. These are awesome superheroes. Oh, yeah. I love all of these ideas. Mm -hmm. I love the the chick. I forget the character's name that was creating those. The portals. Those portals. I love that idea, too. That's great. That's a great idea. And the way that they used it where it would sometimes film it. Again, I use the word film from a point of view shot and you could see inside the portal. So it it create like if you were falling from the bottom of the room, you could see the top of the room mm-hmm. from inside the portal. Like I thought that was so inventive and awesome. Have you played Portal? Nico? No, I haven't. Oh my god, I haven't. <laughs> That's exactly. I don't play video games. You would love that game. No, you would fucking love that. That is a Nico game and a half. I'm, right. uh, okay, I'm Pops. sure I would. I, I love all video games. I know I love all video games, but point I just, is, that I can't a- play them because if I played them, then I would love them too much. I need self control, dude. The second I start playing video games, I become a video game guy. My life is over. If you love portals, Nico, you would love because that's literally exactly how the portals work in Portal. Amazing. It's great. I love it. Uh, that that character was great. Yes. Even like the regurgitator or whatever his name was. <laughs> uh, uh, what the hell was his name? Uh, um, reflux. 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 That's right. Right. Reflux. <laughs> he's just like uh uh what was it disability or, or superpower you decide <laughs> <laughs> it was funny too that's the other we forgot to mention it's a funny ass movie yeah it's it's hilarious yes <laughs> it's really funny especially the jack jack stuff oh my god that's a whole conversation <laughs> so the thing about jack jack it's like he was barely a part of the last one Mm-hmm. And what Brad Bird realized very quickly was, wow, I have this cool little toy in my toy chest <laughs> that I yep. can now use. And did he use Jack Jack in this movie? Oh, my God. It's like it's like it. It's like an entire it's not just it's not just like a, a little piece of the film, almost like what it was last time. It's like one of the more important parts of the film. <laughs> no, he is the most important child in this movie. Oh, yeah. Like they focus on him more than they do Violet and, and, uh, and Dash. For Angry. sure. Yeah, yeah. 17 powers the <laughs> raccoon sequence oh my god is so brilliant <laughs> it is so goddamn funny here's what's brilliant about it is is that i can see kids like like i've seen instances of like little kids just being mildly curious about stuff like that or seeing an animal outside or seeing an animal in a zoo mm-hmm. and sometimes maybe one wanting to try to hit the thing right <laughs> or just go after it and grab it yeah and then this takes that idea to an extreme <laughs> to such a wonderful extreme and it's like what if that child had laser eyes <laughs> yes. that could melt this raccoon in an instant just has so much fun with that and it was wonderful it's wonderful to see a, a film be like you know what we're not going to be miserable we're going to have a good time with this shit god damn it yes I just yeah. also like the idea that, okay, all these guys have one superpower, and Jack, we introduced the idea that Jack-Jack could have more than one superpower, so let's just give him a trillion superpowers. 
Yep. And let's just make it unlimited. But but the thing about it that makes it interesting is that he has no control over them, <laughs> yeah. which is great. So it's like, all right, he's the ultimate weapon to destroy all evil, uh, but he's a baby mm-hmm. and he just does baby things. Yeah. And, he, you know, he's he's attracted to cookies. <laughs> Everyone loves a cookie. Cookie, cookie. If those were my cookies, though, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, it would have been bad. I, I would have been baking those fucking things all day. Man, Jack Jack is so amusing, and uh, I, I again the squirrel sequence was great, and even I mean, and the Edna stuff, of course, is just that did not disappoint. Nope, that was another moment where my brother started hitting me. He's like Edna's back. Oh, see now that maybe, maybe that's another thing we we could all use a little bit more Edna in our lives. Always, what a great character! But they don't overuse it, which is good. True. Which is good. And here's the other thing I was going to mention: what's so fantastic about these movies is that. It's it's like what I'm going to I'm going to do you're going to hate me again but I'm going to quote David Fincher. Okay. Of all things. Yeah, yeah. David Fincher said this wonderful thing, you know, and it's pretty obvious but he has just a wonderful way of putting it. He's like, you I know, don't like humanity. <laughs> that's it. That's all he says. I'm okay. done. Okay. Yeah. No. He's like, yeah, the the audience knows like you can do pretty much anything, right? You know, it's like you can you can make fucking T-Rex eat a car. It's great. They they get that you can do that in a in a second, and it's no problem. So you know you gotta you gotta find restraint. You gotta know what you know. You gotta you gotta ask like what 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 are we not gonna do instead of what what do we do and 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 stick to that idea when you're making any movie. Otherwise, you're fucked. Yes, <laughs> I love picture. It's true. It's <laughs> true. It. It's true. You have you have to show restraint because you you are right. The audience comes to expect anything, mm-hmm. and so when they expect anything. You sometimes have to give them less than anything yep. in order for them to be surprised. Yep. Uh, and that, yeah, that's exactly what this movie does. It's like Great. Edna was, I think, the fan favorite character from the first movie. My God, you've gotten fat. Come in, come in, <laughs> come, come. <laughs> Darling. <laughs> is it you Brad Bird voices her? Yeah. That's pretty great. Yeah. That's a really, great little performance. Really. She is based off of, um, the hell is that actress's name? She was in... From NCIS, yes. LA. That's that is directly who she's based on. Right. Of, yeah. uh, she's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, what is her? Yeah, I, she was in a awesome. I, I, I say this movie all the time, but it's a, a Year of Living Dangerously with uh, Mel Gibson, and she, she's she's incredible in that movie. She plays a man. So okay. Yeah, I, I actually thought that she was the voice in the first one. Really? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I figured that was the case. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, she she's just she's fantastic. When you see her nose on that camera at the beginning, <laughs> I was so it, happy. It's just like yes, Edna, more uh, Edna in my life. And then <laughs> the fact they made her a babysitter, and it's just she fell in love with when Jack Jack's walking and he's got the lollipop in his hand and he twirls it around like it's a pipe. That was so good. I could I could have stayed in that scene for hours. Just great uh, stuff. Just great stuff in this movie. And then all this stuff with Mr. Incredible at home. Oh yeah. It's just delightful. It's it is it is now it is almost a case where it's like some some of the other stuff where they're just sitting around and talking with all the other superheroes or a little less interesting. There is a part of me that wants to say, just go back to the the Mr. Incredible stuff. Oh, I was feeling that the entire is, time. Oh, it's so much more engaging and fun and exciting and <laughs> And what we're learning about the, those characters throughout is great. Even with like the the family drama with uh, with Violet was was really well incorporated. Yeah, that was great. That, so that was yeah. great. It, it, you're right though. Those sort of conversations where Catherine Keener and this is incredible. It's like it's okay. It's good. But... Yeah, they're sitting around and they're talking about uh, you know d- doing the work that men can do. And... As essentially, <coughs> I'm sitting there. I'm like, thank God you got Holly Hunter. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank God you got. Yeah. How fucking great is Holly Hunter? She's 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 wonderful. How great is she? And she's adorable, by the way. If you've seen it, she is so fucking adorable. She's adorable, <laughs> but her voice is just 
It's perfect. Yes. She is so perfectly cast in this. Where it's like, man... I need a baby. (laughs) They've got more than they can handle. (laughs) Get a baby for Holly Hunter, Nick Cage. She's just great. How great is she in broadcast news? Oh, oh, she's so awesome in that How great is broadcast news? I love the moments where she's just having a great time, and then she goes in the corner and she just starts crying. (laughs) She's so all over the place in that movie. Oh, it's but it's like that is your perfect mom. That is exactly who you would want your mother to be is Holly Hunter. And Gosh. that's why. And and it's, you know, of of all of the moments where the movie sort of posed uh, existential questions, the one that I found most interesting is when she was laying in bed with Mr. Incredible. And mm. she says, in order to save my family, I have to abandon it. In order to protect the law, I have to break it. And I just thought, like, okay, that's the most interesting part of this movie. Like, don't get too wrapped up in the Catherine Keener shit. Like, don't get too wrapped up in in uh, in in that family drama. Like, all I want to see is this, like, the struggle of a mom to do what's best for her kids. And I felt like they balanced it out well enough. Yeah, honestly, mm. there was never a part where I was just like, "You're you're." This movie is is I'm I'm being taken out of it because you're not focusing on what I really care about. I never really got that moment where I was just like, guys, stop it, you know. Mm-hmm. I felt like they 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 struck a, a pretty good balance with all that with all those elements. And this was was this playing around with more than the first one. In term I, in terms of its themes, yeah. I, oh pro- yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh, it bites off way more than it can chew yeah. at times. And the the first one, I don't feel like it ever does no, that. No. Like the first one's just a pretty simple like okay. Uh, Mr. Incredible abandoned some kid and now he wants revenge. Yeah. You know, th- th- this yeah. one is a lot more heady, sure. which yeah. gets me uh, to act three. <clears throat> um, I'm going to need your help here. Oh, okay. <laughs> <coughs> you need to explain to me Catherine Keener's motivation. Please try your damnedest. Um, okay. <laughs> no need to slap yourself. <laughs> it's all going to be okay. She, uh, it was so thin. She was mad at the idea that, because her father was was killed because he tried to call supers and they weren't available and she was mad at the idea that he would ever want to do that. Right. Uh, he trusted superheroes too, too, too much. much. But it was because there was there was legislation against against it, them. There? So I'm like, what are you complaining about? It's not it's not his fault, really. Right. It's not the super's fault. So if only he went to the safe room, he would have been okay. Yes. But instead, he decided to call the supers, and they weren't there. So now I'm going to destroy the public's trust in superheroes. Yeah. Just like it was for me. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a lot of hoops to jump through here. Really does. Uh, it was it, now. I, honestly, this is the weakest part of the film. Yes, no question about it. The third act, it 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 doesn't quite stick the landing, but it also does. It doesn't destroy itself either. No, like, it, no, 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 no. no. It, it's okay. You can forgive it. It's not. It's it's no. It's nowhere near as like 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 uh, like Lex Luthor, Jesse Eisenberg motivation. Right. It's not. We're not going that far, guys. Sure. But, <laughs> sure. But it's like. Uh, where does this fit in the line of motivations? On it's like a a notch, a couple notches below um, <laughs> Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> oh fuck off! <laughs> fuck off! No, I'll say where where does this lie in in just shitty character motivations? It's um. Here's my problem. I'm not really sure what she's supposed to represent. 
Well, that's the other issue. <laughs> like, I'm not sure. Like, she seems to be on one side of the coin. I'm not really sure what the coin is, though. Like, I'm not really sure, like, if we're dealing with a quarter or a nickel or a dime here. It's it's very... Or if we're dealing with a coin. I don't know what she's doing. Uh, yeah, I don't <laughs> know what the argument is here. I mean, I... It was a forced motivation, clearly. It's... Right. But I was surprised. I was like, guys, it can't be that hard. But, like, they, it, it was as if they didn't even try. I was a little... A little, a little put off by that alone <laughs> because I don't know exactly what the movie wants to say. No, and I think that's what it comes back to is the idea that uh, it's just way more compelling when they're in the house and when they're outside the house and they're dealing with uh, socio political issues. Like, I don't know, man, it's a kid superhero movie, and you're kind of biting off a little more than you can chew. That, yep. that that's all it comes down to for me. It's just like. I don't know what they're trying to say about authority. I don't know what they're trying to say about the oppressed. Yep. And that and that's a problem. Like if you're going to tackle those issues, at least pose the questions in coherent ways. Like at least try to have some semblance of logic to them. Yep. It's just all over the place for me. Yeah. Again, it's now And that whole villain by the way was a little annoying. Even before we found out that it was her. Screen slaver. I hated that too. I hated way. that part too. It's yeah. just so obvious. It's like, oh, we're we're attached to our screens and we can't can't get away from it and we're obsessed with them as I look at my phone. I know. But, <laughs> those so. monologues were a little like heavy-handed like, you know, just but, <laughs> but it's it's just that I guys, like I've seen this idea, like right. I see it all the time it's like come on like i'm getting really tired of this idea that we're that we're, we're stuck to our phones and our screens and whatnot like maybe we are right in fact yeah no we definitely are right i get it but just i i just i, I just want new ideas come I know, on I know. something you don't talk you watch talk shows it's like come on dude like everything you you experience is through the lens of pr it's like you it just sounds like some like 23 year old and college grad that's just writing his first script you know that i i realize i'm describing both of us right now uh but <laughs> but that, that's like taking a shot at his first screenplay and is like man i'm really gonna blow them away with these interesting ideas and he probably smoked way too much pot an hour earlier <laughs> you know and it's just in the zone right now and it's like dude like grow up kid yeah <laughs> It's no, like, I agree. <laughs> let's get a little more real than this. <laughs> that it just, it's, it was amateurish. All that stuff was amateurish and that bothered me. Yes. And it's it's clearly not an amateur movie. Like it's made very no. proficiently and competently. And uh, I, I will say the animation itself was great. Oh, but Incredible animation. It, it's just. Ugh. Did you ever just stop to look at Mrs. Incredible's hair? Yeah. Holy yeah, shit. No, every detail. Every detail wow. is so meticulous in this thing. It is. It's a beautiful movie. Beautiful movie. And it's too bad because it's uh, just make a kids movie. Like, don't try to be more than you are. It maybe goes. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe goes a li a notch far in that direction, like that mature direction where it kind of loses sight of what it probably should be. Yeah, but doesn't make it a bad film by any stretch. No, by any means. In fact, it's it's pretty fantastic. We're getting lost in the small criticisms. Yes, I will. I will just say. That this movie brought me so much joy. I was gonna say for all the for all the the, the little criticisms that we're gonna have, this is an absolutely fucking awesome, fantastic, good. Go see it, movie. It's great. It made me so happy. Yes, it made me. I was smiling ear to ear the whole time. It, it washed away pink flamingos. Not quite, but it, it got it got <laughs> pretty close. Okay, I want to uh, hit something else. I know you have to go, uh, but we have about I don't know, like fifteen minutes left in the hour. Are you good? Yeah. Okay. I said right. I'll be there in ten. Okay, well, that's a little generous. Uh, <laughs> we need to talk about you were never really here. 
Oh, we're, oh, we're, we're going to talk about let's that Let's do now. it. Let's right do it right now? now? Yeah. Oh, my God. Are you not ready? Speed run. Let's go. Okay. All right. <laughs> Um, uh, all right. I watched this movie a couple weeks ago, so I'm a little, uh, I, I've, I've forgotten a couple little details about it, but so you go. This is the most nauseating haunting film I've ever seen. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> it is so fucking good. <laughs> it is so awesome. Oh, this is possibly my favorite film of the year. Whoa. I adored this movie. Wow. It's so good. Ah, you okay? You probably haven't seen. You were never really here. If you are listening to this podcast, yeah, and so we're not going to spoil it. I think let's not spoil. No, um, it is one of the best character studies I've seen in a long time. Yes, <laughs> this movie stars Joaquin Phoenix. Yes, he is a veteran. Mm-hmm. He is suicidal, and he is set on a path of revenge. Yes, does that accurately describe the movie? Yes. Well, the revenge part comes really, really late, I suppose. Yes, it's like Mad Max late. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, all right. That, good comparison. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, but but uh, he's... Okay, yeah, that's true. Like, the first 50 minutes to an hour of this movie are spent with him just wandering. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of wandering going on, and... Uh, it's Very oddly similar to Taxi Driver in a lot of ways. Also not, <laughs> but... Also not. Yes. Yeah, also not. Yes. Um, that, but, but I did remember watching it and just being like, this is this is a lot of echoes from Taxi Driver in this movie. This director is a woman by the name of Lynn Ramsey. Yep. So I watched You Were Never Really Here, and I decided to dig into this woman's filmography, and a couple days later I watched a movie called We Need to Talk About Kevin. <laughs> oh boy, we need to talk about Kevin. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes we do uh do you like that movie yep how much do you like that movie i love that movie it's just not a fun watch that's a tough watch dude <laughs> that is a tough one yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i'm sure you would enjoy it you you sick perverse fuck oh i'm going straight to hell yeah <laughs> i was just like what? <laughs> that movie I found uh, to be more haunting than you were never really. Yeah, heard. maybe. That's one that sticks with me a lot more. That movie is just it's oh, I was I was talking to you about this over text. It's just it's again like Lynn Ramsey her her plots are sort of loose. I mean, the movie knows where it's going, but it takes a lot of pit stops in between. To tell you a lot of very uncomfortable things about these characters, right? <laughs> and oh my god, we need to talk about Kevin. Is is one of the more chilling examples of that? Holy shit! Yes, she, not just of Kevin, but right. the mom oh, as well. Uh, I mean, more so her. Yeah, more definitely. We definitely learn more about the mother. And, and oh, th- that's a podcast for another day. Oh my god! But yes, there is. Something about her films, the way that she structures these stories, because there's not really. I mean, you look at the story of you were never really here. You could tell that thing in a half hour. Yeah, you you get done with that. That could be a short film if you wanted it to be. <laughs> um, the way she tells it out of order and in sort of parses out information as it goes. We need to talk about Kevin. Does the exact same thing. It makes these things the purest character studies that they can be. They are 
totally character studies in the purest sense of the of the term. Oh yeah. Um they are only focused on telling you something about these characters. They are only focused on putting you in their heads and making you very uncomfortable. That's what that's the pro- it's like too human at times. It's yes. just like whoa, give me a break, but it's so wonderful to see that and it's just so quiet right and it's personal and it's very little dialogue which is which another thing i love about her so much is just her her devotion to just doing it all through filmmaking right oh my god the flashback sequences yeah <laughs> oh in, and we, how in, they come about right just out of it seems like out of nowhere and in just seemingly ordinary situations like when he's taking the picture for the girls right and then, and then just this haunting images of these bodies that are piled up. I'm just like, oh. and then you see the girl crying. Who, oh, Jesus it. Christ! Yeah, it, it feels like PTSD. Yeah, like it gets as close you can get without ever experiencing PTSD. Like the, I imagine, like those flashing images would just, you know, uh, uh, no warning would just yep. would just pop up. Oh, yeah. Um, How when he when he got upset at the end, he just takes off his shirt and he just like right. basically hysterical in his own way. Yeah. Oh boy, these things. Um, the problem with them, these are not very likable characters, and they're they're hard characters to empathize with. It's, Joaquin a little less so. I was gonna say I, I I like Joaquin's character. It's yeah. It's now we need to talk about Kevin less so, but that's kind of the point, I guess. <laughs> the problem with that movie. Here's the thing. I'm not sure how realistic that relationship is. Like I know, like it is telling a and and a uh, the story of of an outlier. Like I understand, like that is supposed to be extreme and is supposed to be graphic and and disturbing. Uh, I just don't imagine like a a mother son relationship ever looking like that. But if you were to dream up a mother son son relationship that was like that, it is what it would look like. Does well, that make sense? It's, well, it's the story of a mother who I think initially never really wanted to be a mother. Right. And now that's a very true thing. Sure. I see that all the time, and that's something that you can certainly connect to with other things. It's just it's taken to a very I mean, it's taken to an appropriate extreme. Again, I always have to remind remind myself it's a movie, and that's just sort of the nature of film. It's right. drama, right? So you kind of have to at times. Ooh, it takes you to a place, though. I mean, I was having trouble. Like I, it was one of those movies <laughs> where I had to pause yeah. the movie multiple times because it was. And Ezra Miller, by the way, plays Kevin, mm-hmm. Tilda Swinton's son, and we need to talk about Kevin, and uh, he is fucking disturbing it is a great performance like it is a captivating performance but my lord do you not want to look at him oh my god it's so weird it's uh, the type, i i had to pause it and just like look away i just had to take two minutes because i was not prepared for where this movie was gonna go and i knew where it was gonna go but i just so desperately didn't want it to go there he's so evil yeah it's just like it's but it's quiet and it's like but at the same time it's aggressive yeah <laughs> which is something you don't associate aggression with just just someone just kind of being like right i'm gonna fucking kill you right you know, it's just like but it, no it never whoa. says that it's like it, what? but it's even more subtle than that yeah i know but that's the thing right <laughs> it, and oh God. that's a horror movie we need yeah. to talk about kevin as a horror movie <laughs> effectively that's the thing yeah about it. It, it is a it is a straight up horror movie uh, uh, this one a little less so, but similar yeah. things going on. I want to say something about Lynn Ramsey, by yeah. the way. I- I'm actually surprised that you love her this much because she loves her close-ups. Yeah, I know. I know that. How do you square that whole thing? You get, she knows how to use close-ups. I guess, but she uses them a lot. They they tell me more about the character. They're not just there for the fuck of it, right? As a th- like like, and we need to talk about Kevin. Just just the the. 
the antsy and pre- the precision nature of characters with them just biting their nails and placing them on the table. Right. Little things like that. It's like if you're going to use a close-up, be clever or creative with it. Tell me something. Don't just use it because you'd want to make the scene feel more tense right. because or focus on something that's not important. I have to really believe that that matters. And more often than not, close-ups that are just used for the hell of it feel like they just don't matter. It's just used to make the scene feel a little more dynamic. Right. And in something like her movies... It feels like, yeah, no, it, the, the film wouldn't work without them. There's that moment where yeah. the sister is getting her eye cleaned out, <laughs> and you don't see anything going on with her face. All you see are the cotton swabs that are gathering gunk after they make contact with her eye, and that's all you see. The only close-up is the cotton swab being put down on the bed, and it's just that tells you everything you need to know about that scene in a quiet, subtle I mean, this fucking chick knows how to make a movie. So it's filmmaking. Like, no, but, 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 like, <laughs> that is filmmaking it, right there. <laughs> it is in the purest sense of the yes. word. It yes. is, it is capital F filmmaking. It's like, how can I convey this information in a way that you cannot expect? Yeah. And that's exactly what she does. And that's what she does in, in You Were Absolutely. Never Really Here either. Uh, a movie that I liked actually f- way more than, than uh, we need to talk about, Kevin. Um, it, the way that her camera moves mm-hmm. in, you know, we don't, we don't give enough credence to this because we sometimes we love directors that have a, a wide lens and that film, beautiful landscapes. We, we go crazy over things like the Revenant and Blade Runner. And, and these are all beautifully shot movies, but we sometimes get too in love with bigness. Let me tell you something about cinematography, Nico. Yeah. There is a very, 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 very big difference between pretty cinematography and good cinematography. Right. Big difference. It's true. It's true. (laughs) It's very important. And people forget that all the time. Right. All the time. We're so enamored by beauty. Mm -hmm. And what we forget is half of the battle of filmmaking is where you shoot the camera. It's where you point the camera and what you decide to focus on, Mm. not how you shoot it. Roger Deakins once said, I don't know if it's about necessarily even, you know, like like framing an image. It's more about where you're placing the audience. And I'm just like, no, that's exactly that's exa- that's exactly <laughs> like, what it is. Oh, it's so smart. I love it. <laughs> the the director is the audience. Yep. They are it is the point of view. It's characters don't serve as a point of view. Script doesn't serve as a point of view. The camera is what serves as the point of view. So where you decide to focus, Steven Soderbergh, as a matter of fact, is is great at this. That's one of his his many talents. Is the in 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 his heist movies and even in his quieter dramas, you see this the way that he pans the camera around and what he decides to shoot and how he decides to explore a space that he's in. Right, mm-hmm. two characters might be talking. Early Scorsese did this too. I think about Taxi Driver, where where Travis Pickle is on the phone with his girlfriend and he's getting broken up with, and Scorsese decides to pan the camera to the empty hallway because he can't bear to look at Travis getting his heart broken and it's like that's what filmmaking is it's not just shooting the subject in a pretty way it's moving the camera to other things and that's what Lynn Ramsey does so it, well it's, it's not objective as, as what Scorsese says film is not an objective medium no it, you learn that just through even watching something like Hitchcock through Vertigo right it's brilliant right the the way that she comes in and out of certain scenes and, and you see Joaquin after 
he's beaten some guy's head with a, with a hammer. Yep. You know, at, at, after all of the violence and the grotesqueness of the scene, then we get a look at Joaquin just sort of walking away. Or when he's on the phone and the camera it hangs on the phone for another two or three seconds after he walks away. When he's in the airport at the beginning and he's, he's the water fountain, he starts drinking the water fountain and you only see the running water after he leaves it. <laughs> it's just all this interesting stuff. She's so curious with the camera. She's always exploring new spaces. Yep. And she's always telling you something interesting about these yep. people. God damn, I love this woman. I really do. Like, she could be one of the best filmmakers we have working there's today. A, she's got, like, two more movies you, you need to watch, I believe. Okay. What are they? Have you seen them? I have seen Ratcatcher, I believe. Okay. Which you need to watch. All right. And there's one other that, that, needs, that needs viewing. It's either, I don't know if it was before or after. But Radcatcher is like her claim to fame, essentially. Okay. And she's like an Irish? Scottish. Scottish? Scottish. Uh, let's see. Lynn Ramsey did... Yes. Ratcatcher and Movern Caller. Okay. That's what it's called. <laughs> I don't even know how to pronounce that. It's Scottish shit. Scottish shit. Okay. Um, she's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, it's capital F filmmaking. It's exactly what I want directing to look like. Yep. Um, and uh, you were never really here is, God, just a, a tour de force. It really is a tour de force. Oh, man. The scene where he's he's putting his mother in the lake. Oh, spoiler oh. alert. No, it's fine. Spoiler. It's fine. No, you need to see this movie if you haven't seen it. I forgot. Yeah, that's right. We, we're not spoiling it. Yeah. I, I want to encourage people to see this. Because, yeah. yeah, it needs to be seen. This is a movie that this, these are the kind of movies that should be getting made. Right, that's exactly right. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to get into plot all that much. I don't think that's no. fair. Yes, okay. people see it. Yes, so, see this movie. There we go. Support female filmmakers. <laughs> there you go. That'll get the audience going. <laughs> Hashtag times up. Okay. Less oceans eight. More. You were never really here. That's right. Terrible name, though. I'll say that. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you could deal with terrible names. We were talking about that with bands. It just works. Fuck it. Yeah, just less sometimes, people. <laughs> just less. Uh, Adam Hall. Yes. It's been a pleasure. Yes, it has. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week talking dinosaurs. Do we want to do dinosaurs? And I'll probably see First Reform by then. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. I don't know if that'll fill. I mean, we could probably fill a whole hour. I'm not sure if the audience is clamoring for our First Reform review. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but uh, yeah, there, there, there's some stuff. We'll do maybe a little grab bag next week. Okay. And oh, let's try to see Hereditary. How about that? Yeah, I want to see Hereditary really bad. Hereditary. Uh, there's, a, there's a movie called American Animals out that I've heard is pretty good. It's a heist movie. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. Actually. Uh, that might be one to check out. Maybe okay. We'll do a little okay. grab back. Uh, you're at some Adam Hall. Yes. I'm at Funny Nico Tweets. Yes. Too many thoughts media.com or tmt.media for more of our shit. Good shit. Most of the time. Yeah. And until next time, everybody. Happy movie hopping. <laughs>